brother. And so um, my my stresses, if they're God afforded and God ordained, uh, then I certainly have learned and am learning. I haven't learned it all, but I am learning and have learned somewhat to put my confidence and trust in Him, knowing Amen. that He doeth all things well. Amen. Now, a couple of those things that I went through were sucker punches. Uh, for example, I was preaching in Mechanicsville, Virginia. And while preaching there, just I uh, had a good conversation with my son, Jamie, my oldest boy. I had a wife and three children. And uh, we talked here at, on a conference call, uh, Jamie and my son, Ashley, uh, that I named after Billy Sunday, William Ashley Alderman instead of Sunday. <laughs> but uh, we were riding along just having a conference call uh, uh, on Saturday on my, while I was traveling to Mechanicsville, Virginia for my meeting and uh, just had a wonderful time. And I treasure the time that we had, but little did I know that was going to be the last time I was going to be able to say anything to my boy. After Sunday night services, about 10 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock, I received a phone call that my son had collapsed with a frontal brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, that was a sucker punch. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can even describe some emotions that rushed through my soul, especially having to drive from Mechanicsville, Virginia to Savannah, Georgia, mm -hmm. leaving at 10 o'clock at night after preaching all day long to watch my son die. Mm -hmm. But God gave grace. Amen. And He still gives grace. Amen. And that's not something you can get in a classroom. Amen. You don't learn that kind of stuff in a classroom, no matter how hard the teacher tries to teach it. Uh, you have to go to what the old timers used to say when I was young. You have to go to the University of Adversity to get that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. The School of Hard Knocks. And you get your degree in theology. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But um, anyway, I'm just grateful that God he does all things well. Amen. And I could say a lot about uh, trouble and problems and pressure. But when I'm thinking about David, he went through some things. He had some sucker punches. Some were induced by his own ungodly living, his own wickedness. Yeah. But he was when he was confronted with his sin, here's what spelled the difference, I believe, uh, by God. When he was confronted with his sin, uh, he did not in any way seem to indicate that uh, he was falsely accused. He did not even seem in any case to indicate that maybe there's somebody else the reason he's doing what he's doing. We like to play the blame game. And that's an yep. ancient game, by the way, it started in the Garden of Eden. Amen. Amen. Yeah. But uh, David, I don't see that. Uh, I don't. I don't see him saying the wife that thou gavest gavest me made me do it. <laughs> and but instead, I think he would just drop his head and after he said, "Thou art the man," and he said, "Yes, I'm it." And he was even able to write poetically in that regards uh, when he was able to say, "My sin is ever before me." Yes. And I think as he would even walk down the, uh, through the palace gate into the streets and little children would be out playing around and they'd probably say, point their finger and he said, they're probably doing that because 
They recognize that he's royalty. They recognize that he's the king. But that's not the way he would interpret I'm thinking. He would say, they're talking about me. They know what I'm, I've done. And in that regard, I believe he was saying my sin is ever before me. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of anything more disheartening to a good Christian walk than just have unconfessed sin. Amen. I mean, God's not going to let you enjoy your sin. That's right. He's not going to let you live in sin and prosper. And the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Amen. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous, but nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who were exercised thereby. Amen. David had to be chastened many times. But I'm going to tell you something else about David. David. Even when he did wrong, he would throw his shoulders back in a good godly way and say, well, I did wrong, but I'm ready to fight again. I'm ready to go out and soldier. Yes, amen. I'm ready to do whatever it takes. He would not go into the slough of the spine and have his gigantic pity party. Yes. But instead, he would very courageously muster up and do whatever God wanted him to do until he messed up the next time. Yeah, amen. Mm -hmm. But even then, he would he would come back to God and God so graciously and mercifully saw his temperament and his spirit. Yes. And with that being so, as wicked as he might have been at times, God still was able to say and tribute to him, he's a man after my own heart. Amen. 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 Yes. And that ought to be our desire. Amen. Not to have a Holy Spirit. Yes. Not to have arrogance. Yes. Now I can say about this about David after saying that about David. He was a rugged man. You don't go out and slay a, as a young lad almost, shepherd lad. You don't go out and slay a lion and a bear (laughs) and be victorious. And then when everybody else was frightening, frightened and chickening out as we would say when I was growing up, uh, he said, why do you let this Hebrew He said, I mean, this Philistine. Yeah, amen. Why do you let him rise up against us? Amen. Uh, He said, is there not a cause? Amen. Amen. And that makes him, I believe, a man after God's own heart. When everybody else was failing and faltering, he was one that says, that man needs to be taken care of. Amen. If you can't do it, I'll do it. Amen. They tried to outfit him and he couldn't put on anything that would fit him. He said, I don't need it anyway. I didn't need it against the bear. I didn't need it against the lion. Mm-hmm. I don't need it against the devil. Amen. He said, I'll pick up by faith five smooth stones. And I believe with them and vigor, I believe he went after old Goliath. Yeah. And I believe when he did, he was, he was, uh, I believe he was screaming at the top of his voice where both sides could hear him. This battle is of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yep. Amen. Amen. And so I believe that too would be a, a way that I, I'm just kind of guessing and observing that could possibly be a way that he could be referred to as a man after God's own heart. Yeah, Amen. Because he recognized what the battle's all about. Amen. A lot of people are fighting, but don't know how to fight and don't know who to fight. That's right. Yeah. I've been guilty of that. Yeah. Especially when I was growing up and not. Uh, I mean, even in times like that, I'd be out uh, messing around and getting involved in some things that I shouldn't have been doing, and, and the anger would come up, and next thing you know, we're out, we're, we're going at it. <laughs> but it wasn't just then. I, 
I realized even later on when I was pastoring a church, I had my moments <laughs> while God was teaching me. Starting at age 23, I was still wet behind the ears. Making sure that dry was wet. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, I sure like that. Hey. I don't like everything you did no more than God likes a lot of stuff I've done. Yes. Yeah, right. But I, li I liked the man that he was. Amen. I mean, he was a man that recognized even his own son's weakness. Yep. Mm -hmm. My son, who is yet young and tender. <laughs> mm -hmm. J. Vernon McGee, this was back before you had the trans, all the transgenders and People didn't know if they were male or female. Yeah. <laughs> or didn't know if they were supposed to male, marry, if they were a man, if they were supposed to marry a man or a woman. It was for all of that. Yeah. But J. Vernon McGee says, uh, he believes David was saying, and the word was used a little different than some people might use it today. He said, uh, David wanted to build, he wanted to build that temple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the Lord told him he couldn't. Because he had been associated with too much warfare, shedding too much blood. <laughs> and then he did not say, again, having a gigantic pity party, he did not say, uh, well, since the Lord's not going to let me get involved in the building of this, I'll just let him have it. No, you see David rolling up his sleeves. And with the same determination that he had as a much younger man when he was going after Goliath, you see him now, he says, I will prepare with all my might. Mm. And my son, oh, I, I wanted to build it, but my son, who is, I don't understand exactly why God's doing it because he's yet young and tender. He's just a sissy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting around to, the Timber and McGee say. That's right. <laughs> he's not a man. Yeah. And even God told him he's going to give him rest. <laughs> And so uh, that wasn't what David was expecting when he went, took his kingdom. He was going to have to fight for every inch of real estate. Yeah, amen. Are you with me? Amen. But with all that said, I want to talk about an aspect that is so important in our stewardship and our giving and our serving is just understanding the element of consecration. Now, consecration is used in the New Testament, as we've learned. It's very similar to sanctification. It has to do mostly with quality. But when David uses the expression, who, who now is willing to consecrate himself, in my text that I'm about to read, himself unto the Lord, he's not just, quality is assumed and understood. So it's not emphasizing the state of quality. He, you would expect no less. But he's emphasizing instead the state of quantity. He said, I want you to give your best, but I want you to not do it in a miserly way, in a greedy way. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to my heart. When I serve God, I want to be like David in that regard. Amen. I don't want to give just enough to get by. Amen. Yeah. And I'm challenging us tonight. If I can be challenged, you can be challenged. Amen. Yeah. Amen. If I can be challenged, I mean, David can be challenged. I also can be challenged. Amen. And if I, since I speak to you tonight, 
I trust by example, you can also be challenged. Amen. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what's right and not do it myself. Amen. I'm going to take Acts 20, 28 uh, sincerely where it says, Take heed first to thyself and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. If before you take heed to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer, and for a brief moment of time, your pastor has given me an opportunity to oversee the, the preaching service of this church. Amen. But I understand how I relate back to him in authority as he relates back to God. Amen. But in that same spirit, I must take heed first to myself before I pretend to take heed to anyone else. Amen. Yeah. It's good. The old Puritan writer Thomas Watson said, he said, how dare one stand up and say, you must be born again if the one is making such a, a, a declaration or a, pro, a proclamation before the people that he speaks. It says, you must be born again when he himself has not been born again. Yeah, amen. Take heed first to thyself. Amen. Or he said also, thou shalt not steal if the one voicing the words is a thief. Amen. It's good. And I'm saying in your hearing tonight, our testimony, our ethics, our word are to mount to something. Amen. Amen. I good. made a post, a post today on social media that went like this, something that came to my heart thinking about my daddy and my mother who were such sterling examples before me. My daddy would many times say something like this. He would stress, Acts, you better be a man of your word. Amen. And he'd also say, if you are talking to someone and they're talking to you and they won't look at you in your eyes, he said, you better grab the billfold. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he was a wise man in that regard. In many ways. Amen. And, uh, so David here, if I'm looking in chapter 29, I see the word furthermore. That's a transitional word that connects to what's previously been said. And I, I, I think it would be good for me to maybe read a verse and then come back to this. I believe this is the way the Lord would have me to do it. So I'll read uh, chapter 29 and verse 5, and then I'll try to investigate what that word furthermore is there for. It's kind of like Oliver Green said, when you see the word therefore, see what it's there for. Amen. Amen. In verse 5 it says, the gold for things of gold. And the silver for things of silver. And for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And then he says, and who then is willing to consecrate, that's that word I'm using, his service this day unto the Lord. Now when David spoke to them, I see no evidence that David was able to prepare the people for a six-month period or a six-day period. I feel like what he is saying on his heart today, he's asking for total consecration Today, I know a lot of people will be willing to do something if they don't have to do it today. Yeah, amen. Are you listening? Yeah. 
This could factor into way the Lord's leading in these services. But there's another word I want to call to your attention. Found in verse 2. It says, Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, orange stones and stones to be set, glistering stones, and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones, and marble stones in, what's that word? In chapter 29, verse 2, the last word. What is that word? Abundance. Abundance. So in effect, he's asking, whatever you do, do it in abundance. It just so happened while I was studying this passage of Scripture, I saw that word abundance. Now remember clearly sitting in Dr. Seidler's hermeneutics class, and hermeneutics, if you remember I told you, means the science of Bible interpretation. It's a means of very carefully looking at the Word of God for the purpose of getting proper interpretation. Yes. Dr. Seidler would say always, he would say always, uh, get proper interpretation before you make a practical application. Amen. I know many times, uh, even preachers, and I've been guilty myself of taking before I realize the value of what I've just said that I've been uh, saying about what Dr. Seidler told us. Uh, I would look at a, a, a verse and, and it would just intrigue me. I wouldn't even take the time as a young preacher to really get concerned about what's around it as long as it's a verse that just really stirred my grit, so to speak. <laughs> For example, I think of one right now. Here's the absurdity of what I would do. Uh, it would be that part, Satan has desired to have you. I read that part of the verse. And I remember hearing this well-known preacher, he stood up and he says, I'm not... And I thought this was really something. He said, I'm not even going to read a whole chapter. I'm not even going to read a whole verse. I'm just going to take part of the verse and I'm going to preach to you. You know, that sounded pretty good. I said, man, he's able to take just a little bit of that verse and do something big with it. And then I realized one day, God's not impressed with that. Yeah. And here's the way I handle that, trying to follow that him be my guy, uh, example. Uh, Satan that desire to have you. And uh, the title of my message is What Does Satan Want? And I did it like this. He wants preachers that won't preach. He wants deacons that won't deacon. <laughs> he wants teachers that won't teach. I mean, I had me a time. I was running across the aisle of chandeliers. I probably even dropped my dog for a time or two. <laughs> now we may have to wear a diaper for a different reason. <laughs> but, but anyway, I thought that was really preaching. Till I had the joy of having Brother C.L. Roach, and you have ever heard of him? Amen. Brother C.L. Roach was my mentor. I learned more about the Bible just sitting at Ma Hawkins' cafeteria and gleaning from things he had to say. And it, he was such a blessing and help to me. 
And then what he said, when you see words, he said, when you see a word that kind of stands out, he said, you need to really see the significance of it. Why is it there? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And this word abundant is such a word, borrowing from that formula that was taught me. And now, maybe I'm teaching some of you. So I go back using, in the immediate context, what would be referred to as the law of first mention. Where you see the first time something is mentioned, generally in the scriptures, it gives a clue to how it's been to be used throughout the scriptures. But in this case, sometimes you will restrict the way a word's used in the immediate context. Amen. Amen. To get some clue or indication how that word is to progress or be used throughout the scriptures. And so I went to chapter 22 and I saw such a word. It says, Then David said in verse 1, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. And David commanded to gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel, and he set masons to hew rock stones to build the house of God. That must have been an exciting time. And David prepared, now what's the word I'm looking at? Remember? Abundance. Say it together. Abundance. Okay, watch how this word starts popping up. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails for the doors of the gates and for the joinings and brass in what? Abundance without weight. Also cedar trees in what? Abundance. For the Zidonians and their tyrant brought much, that's another expression for abundance, Amen. brought much cedar wood to David. Now if you remember just a moment ago, I said the word consecrate speaks of quality, but more than that, it expects quality, but it pronounces quantity with it. In other words, it would be like, I remember, my daddy would always give me a job helping him build those houses. Sometimes it's picking up the two before with the studs, pre-cut studs that we had to, to erect the walls. He'd say, Max, go get me some studs. And, I, and, and every time I'd go, I would reach down and I would just get as many as I could carry. And I would just come back like this. And I'd drop it. Then he said, Max, you're going to hurt your back. I know it, but I just want I just like to get a bunch of them when I go. I don't like to make some any trips. And so I kept on doing that. And I found out that that kind of carried over even into my lifetime, even as a married man, when my father-in-law, who was up in his late 80s at that time, and early 90s perhaps, he said, Max, I need some firewood. And I, it's almost like I just went back in time to when I would pick up those studs or whatever they sent me out. I would put, sometimes I boasted I was able, and I was pretty good, a little bit heavier back then, certainly in better shape back then, younger back then, obviously. But I'd put not just one bundle of shingles, but I'd go up that ladder with two bundles and thought I was really cute. 
stupid but cute. <laughs> but anyway, when I he would send me out to the wood pile with that wheelbarrow, I would go out there, and as I would go out there, I would scoop down and reach down, and I'd plan how I'm gonna fill up that wheelbarrow. In other words, I wouldn't just lay the, all the different logs cut about that long just side to side and let it go up. But I would somehow or another try to take and build a little, I remember when we used to take our pickup and put sides on it where we could carry more than we normally could. So I took some of those smaller logs and I laid sides on my hand. And I stacked that wood just as much as I could put on it. And I struggled to get back. And when I got back, I dumped it. Then I went after another the same way. And he walked out. He said, what in the world are you putting so much on in their time? I don't know. <laughs> Had no good reason. It was just in me. And I guess I've always been guilty of chomping off more than I can chew. But when I saw that word abundance and what it means, I said, you know, that's the way I like to do things. I'm certainly not bragging when I say that, but that's just the way I like to do things. If I do something, I want to do it in the spirit of abundance. Amen. I don't, I don't like just doing enough to get by. Amen. And that's not just in hauling wood. That's not just in uh, picking up studs or bundles of shingles. If you have that spirit about you, it will impact every part of your being. Amen. And certainly, as good as God has been to me, mm. I want to offer the quality, but I want to do it with abundance. Amen. Now, when I see this word, it evolves a little bit. He's talking about abundance. In verse 5, David said, Solomon, my son is young and tender. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent, a fame and a glory throughout all the countries. I will therefore now make preparations for it. So David prepared abundantly. Isn't that amazing how that word keeps popping up? Amen. But there was another word uh, meaning I wanted to know. I said, I want to know, why is he using that word? Are you still with me? Yeah, amen. Why is he using that word abundantly? <clears throat> so David prepared abundantly before his death. And what I'm about to tell you will give you such a clear picture of who's, who David is in regards to his heart that I spoke of. Look at verse 6. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, he's talking to his boy, Solomon. As for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood. What's the word? Abundantly. The Lord told him, You can't build a house because you shed blood in abundance and has made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house in my name because thou hast shed, here's a synonym, it's defining itself, you shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. <coughs> and when David was told that, let me tell you what David could have done. 
he could have had a gigantic pity party that I spoke of. Mm -hmm. He said, okay, if he doesn't want me to build a house or as much as I've engaged myself and had in my life to try to fight the battles and try to do the things that was called upon me to do, he said he can just have it. Let anybody, he can let my boy do it. I'm not touching it. But I like his spirit. He said, <laughs> he said okay, I've shed blood in my body. But I'm going to go and get iron for the things of iron. Amen. I'm going to get gold for the things of gold. Yes. I'm going to uh, get uh, silver for the things of silver, and I'm going to get them in abundance. Amen. In other words, his character was not changed because it didn't go like he kind of wanted it to. Amen. I see a lot of folks who bail out of ministry and everything else because if they don't get a back pad every now and then. Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. God's not, you're not a man after God's own heart, if that's your spirit. Amen. Amen. You're a proud sucker. Amen. You know what? God hates pride. Amen. I'm, I'm speaking to myself. God hates my pride. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God so that He might exalt you and you. Amen. Not you yourself. Yeah. So, David. <coughs> He says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all the enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. And he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now my son, the Lord, be with thee. And prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper, if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. May. Now behold, in my trouble, I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, and a thousand uh, talents, thousand thousand talents of silver, and a brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. He said, it's, "Don't stop with what I've done." He said, "Add to it. Don't make it less. Amen. Don't make it less. Make it greater." Amen. And that ought to be the spirit attitude. Mm -hmm. If you, if you uh, take over a responsibility that was once someone else, then don't just be satisfied with the way that someone else did it. Amen. You determine in your heart that you're going to uh, be thankful for what that person has done. Amen. And do everything you can to do it in abundance. Amen. In other words, do it with sanctification uh, or do it with quality. But also with quantity. Amen. I preached the rest of this message tomorrow night. I'm introducing it tonight, but let me tell you another little definition of abundance. <laughs> you might get a little chuckle out of it. Little Johnny went, you know, you always call that person, you don't want to really give his name. <laughs> little Johnny went to the store. And little Johnny, when he went to the store, I'm old enough, I remember, they'd give you candy and they'd fill up uh, your little 
tiny peanut brown peanut bag, I called it, just a little small bag, but it's pretty good size. In other words, for a nickel's worth of candy, you could fill the bag up, and uh, uh, for $5 worth of candy, you can high fill it today. <laughs> if you pay five dollars, you can fill that same bag high full. Is what I'm trying to say. But back then, it was a nickel, nickel coats. I could get, um, I could get ten boo cows, that's little candies, uh, for ten, uh, for five cents, two for a penny, and I get a baby roof candy bar for a nickel. And I, I, before God, and we could get six Coca Colas if we bring our own bottles for a quarter. <laughs> but it don't cost like that, and we make more than that. I understand there's a little different ways here, but if you look at it and take an effect from inflation, it's costing a lot more today anyway. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. way you cut it. But here at the store, little Johnny walks in, his mother is with him, and he's been a good little boy. And the grocer recognizes it and says, Johnny, go get you some of that candy. Here's your little bag. Here. And, oh, yeah, go ahead and do it. And his mother said, Johnny, go get you some candy. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. And then over and over she told him, and the grocery man, finally the grocery man, he took and he reached down in there and he took the candy and put it in, in the bag <laughs> and gave it to him. He walked, they walk out. His mother <laughs> says to him, Johnny, I don't understand. Because when he gave it to him, he just ran from ear to ear. He said, I don't understand this, Johnny. He said, all the time we tried to get you to get you some candy, and you wouldn't. Why? He said, his hand's bigger than mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he understood abundance. Amen. Amen. Now I want to leave with this thought for you to think about that we'll pick up when we continue. Point number one, I'm not preaching message, I'm just giving some things having to do with stewardship. Number one, you need to understand God owns everything. Yes, sir. Amen. By creation. He's a creator God. Amen. If you're enjoying anything, to God be the glory. Amen. Thank Him for it. Amen. Amen. He's a powerful God. Amen. I'm studying today in my Ephesians study. I've been writing on my book. In Ephesians, in chapter number 1, in verse number uh, 18 and 19, verse 19, I'm, I'm looking at it. And where God has the power, Paul is saying he has the power that was demonstrated at the cross of Calvary. And then it was further recognized, not only at his crucifixion, but at his at his coronation, when he was crowned and he was seated on the right hand of, the, of God, the Father. And there, the, the right side symbolizes power and strength. It talks about the soldiers that lost their strong hand, their right hand. But they came back and fought with their weaker hand. Mm -hmm. They stayed in the battle regardless. And so, the Lord... You need to understand, first of all, God owns everything back to creation. Number two, God's entrusted or endowed you with something for a lifetime. You've been able to hold and have whatever God's entrusted you with. Amen. And I sure like knowing that. 
Amen. And you have not because you ask not. You probably Amen. can have them before. Right. Yeah. And also given it should be given unto you. Amen. If you stingy, you're going a little stingy lifestyle. Yes, sir. But God, but when you understand God owns everything, He's endowed you with something. They say today is Giving Tuesday. Have y'all heard that? Mm -hmm. Giving Tuesday. I never even heard of it until I looked up to see why why everybody's wanting you to give them something. <laughs> really? <laughs> And I thought to myself, I said, I ought to turn this thing around. It's more, it's more blessed. Amen. I ought to think of ways that I can give. Amen. Preacher, I was thinking about that when I said what I did. Because I've already today, I've been thinking not how I can get on yeah. giving Tuesday. That's Amen. the way a lot of people are thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how I can give. Amen. Amen. Understand the concept of giving. Giving it shall be given. And what you did with that missionary demonstrates absolutely as a church what you did demonstrates absolutely the way god blesses that kind of spirit and attitude praise the lord and i'm here to say praise god with you and i'm here to challenge you to even trust god father amen amen hey we got a big god amen he's the creator god he's he's the creator god in his own humility he said i'll give you all the strength that you need Amen. To accomplish everything that you can need to accomplish. Amen. And I'll provide what you need in a strong way. Amen. And I looked at that word, his power of strength. And it's like someone would normally take him through. Like, let's just say you were slowing and seeing how far you could pitch a, a, a piece of steel. Maybe a, a take a, a, and hurl something. Not hurdle, but what's the distance? Uh, throw a disc. But you think about how much you can do it. And by definition, whoever can do however, when he comes along with his power, he goes way beyond the previous bar. Yeah, amen. amen. And when you learn to trust that kind of God and believe that he's that kind of God, he's true to his word. You'll find so much joy and excitement in just reaching out and helping those missionaries and people like that. Amen. And helping others and having that giving spirit instead of it's given Tuesday as long as someone else is giving. Yeah. That's not God's way. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. God right. owns everything. He's endowed you with something that makes you a steward. Amen. You've been entrusted with property that belongs to someone else. Number four, you're accountable at the judgment seat, the beam of seat of how you exercise your stewardship. Yes, sir. You're either going to hear wood, hay, and stubble, or well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Thou hast been faithful for a few things. I may be rule over many things. Enter Amen. thou into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Will you stand, please? It's bad enough. We're talking about maybe a lot of things, but one thing that resonates. <laughs>